An illithid society has attacked Earth. Anybody who is not useful will be murdered. How do you stay useful? I s- just whip out my big swinging tentacle. Oh, God. <laughs> to answer the question seriously, I, I mean, I'm a tradesman. I build shit for them. I'm, I can do that stuff. Like, I, I'm okay with staying practically useful that way. Oh, shit. You do have, like, a skill, though. Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing, Terry? I don't, I don't what, what am I going to do? How do you show illithids? I mean, they might oh, do you value know, I, you for a personal be, trainer for illithids. Yeah, but that's... Like, I'm not with the now, I lift, actually, now, put it down. I haven't actually been a personal trainer since 2015, despite the fact that my dad still to this day tells me well, that's what I do. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't been a personal trainer dad for six years, and it doesn't matter. Well, no, here, I'll, I, I can figure this out then. You would do the marketing... To make the general populace I'd be press okay. secretary. I'd yeah, be press secretary. Yeah, 100%. I'd be press secretary. I'd be happy Do with that. Do you need press for illithids? I'd say, hey, look, we want to get these guys on our side. Okay. I mean, they would be smart enough to understand that they would need the good marketing. Yeah. Because all they need to do is get within their range, right? And once they're within range, it's nom 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 brains. They're not going to want to eat my brains. I'm telling you right now, that shit's going to be... It's a five-course meal. They're not going to advance if they take these brains. No, because they, they absorb like your personality, right? Like They will get to know my thoughts, and that's not good for anyone. <laughs> yeah. that, will, that, that is me plugging the Mac in to the mothership in Independence Day. The whole colony dies if they eat my brain. <laughs> There's some dark, dark shit in there. Dark shit. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on the big bad evil guys in Dungeons & Dragons that we like to call Portfolios. I'm Adam, and with me today are Dan and Terry, and this episode is called Illithids. Don't hate the flare, hate the brain. Yes. <laughs> yes. I definitely approve. Very nice. I was very proud of that. The drive over here. <laughs> We've previously covered Beholders, the Elder Elementals, Celestials, High-Powered Constructs, and some of the biggest, nastiest monstrosities from both the Forgotten Realms and Magic the Gathering campaign settings. For all of these and more, including a buttload of humanoid mob monsters and a whole pile of fiends... You can jump over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can check out our YouTube page and playlist on monsters that we've built there. This episode, though, is going to focus on one of the most popular and classic kinds of big bad evil guys in D&D, the Illithids. Their Lovecraftian aberrations that revel in body horror, psychic attacks, telepathy, tentacles slurping out your gray matter, and just a whole bunch of other nasty little bits and details. So buckle up, because this is about to get gross. Well, more gross than usual. Any thoughts before we get started on all this? Do you guys like these? I know, Terry, you don't like the ugly monsters. These get pretty nasty. Uh, the reason I'm excited about this one is because I feel it's difficult for players to explore this society without just being killed immediately, or whatever. Yeah, so, like, how do you infiltrate this? So, I, yeah, yeah, so I'm excited to discuss that. I love Illithids. They're they're iconic to me. Like, I, I've always loved them. And they're Cthuloid, so of course I would. But I hate anything that brings psychic bullshit into my games. Oh. So I use them so sparingly because there's always that one player going, okay, so is it a foot of stone that their telepathy doesn't work around? Or is it an inch of iron or what? See, and I don't mind psionics when they're abilities that a creature can do. Yeah. When you open up psionic spell casting, I get a little fucked. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm done. So anyway, let's jump into it. Illithids, also known as mind flayers are uniquely D&D intellectual properties. 
and they don't appear in any other fiction. Even Paizo, the owners of Pathfinder, are expressly forbidden from using them due to copyright laws. The only disambiguation I could find was the references to the Mind Flayers in Stranger Things, but considering that the name is rooted in D&D, the monster is radically different, and it it hardly counts, right? Yeah. So, in D&D, though, illithids represent the gross, slimy, and psychic cosmic horror aspect of the lore, and they're really good stand-ins for Cthuloid horror, like Dan said. In the Forgotten Realms, they hail from three places. Traditionally, they come from the Far Realms, which is where most of the weird and alien aberrations come from. Additionally, Mind Flayers have been known to crash land in spaceships called Nautiloids, and they've exhibited crazy technologies up to and including scientific teleportation and literal laser pistols. But chances are good that if you run into an Illithid these days, it will be in the Underdark, where they've built their colonies. This grouping of monsters is known for being deadly and difficult to face off against, and they're built to make unaware players regret even owning dice. These guys are built to be a total party kill. Yep. Your average Illithid is also called a Mind Flayer and is actually listed under Mind Flayer in the Monster Manual. They're known to be psionic slavers that travel between dimensions and they eat brains. Traditional lore states that they are so effective at their conquering of worlds and cultures that they took over the universe and defeated every other culture. Their empire ruled for millennia until the end of time. But then, when they came up against the end of time, they railed against it, and in a bizarre and desperate ritual that combined science and magic, they sacrificed large swaths of their civilization and power to try and defeat time itself. But they failed. The result is that a large number of them were thrust back in time without the support of their massive illithid empire and had to rebuild in the astral domains. They launched another campaign, taking over the inner planes for centuries and enslaving and feeding on the Gith. But the Gith revolted and laid waste to the Illithid Empire, which had to retreat again. Now the Mind Flayers live in the Underdark, establishing colonies and enslaving creatures while they reconsolidate their power. They've been down there as fugitives and refugees for thousands of years, holding off on their own extinction and scheming for more power. There are rumors, however, that the Illithid Empire didn't lose to the Gith and merely jumped forward again in time, leaving some colonies behind. Still other rumors claim that the Mind Flayers are amassing power in the hidden mists of the astral plane, or that they let the Gith win the war in order to guarantee a future strategic win that would allow them to return to glory in the long run, kind of like Doctor Strange giving Thanos the Time Stone. Mm -hmm. Now, the Lithids possess incredible mind powers that help them read and control the minds of others, but they tend to focus on controlling unintelligent brutes to do their bidding and manual labor. The Monster Manual mentions troglodytes, grimlocks, quagoths, and ogres specifically, but they've been known to subjugate mass populations of gith, kuatoa, and other intelligent creatures of the Underdark. When it comes to combat, a Mind Flayer will always send in their mind-controlled minions first and avoid physical confrontation if possible. This tracks because it's the same kind of delegation that their leaders use. You see, one of the most interesting things about Illithids is the fact that each colony worships a single Elder Brain that lives in its midst. Elder Brains are massive brains covered in tentacles that live in pools of briny liquid located near the middle of a Mind Flayer settlement. And from there, they communicate psychically with all the Illithids in a five-mile radius. But it's not like it just blasts out like a radio to whoever's listening. Elder Brains have unique conversations with each Mind Flayer at the same time. That makes them particularly powerful, and it's the telepathic communication of an Illithid colony that's one of the biggest challenges to overcome 
in all of D&D, like yeah. Terry mentioned earlier. You see, the Mind Flayer acts as a node in the wide communication web of the colony, and the Elder Brain, who demands complete obedience, is the center of the web. If one Mind Flayer perceives something, then all the other Mind Flayers within five-mile radius and the Elder Brain also know it immediately. Hmm. Now, each Mind Flayer is already considered to be a genius and an expert in one or two fields of study, but the Elder Brain knows everything that every Mind Flayer knows and also acts as a cultural memory bank that has access to the collective memories of all the knowledge, experiences, and skills of all the Mind Flayers present and past. If you find a Mind Flayer outside of the five-mile radius of the Elder Brain, you can take it on at your own peril. But if you are encountered within that radius, then you are essentially fighting a civilization that runs like a single functioning organism. Elder Brains are arrogant. They're scheming bastards that hold dominion over the rest of the colony with promises of a return to glory and power through coordination and obedience. There is no room for error or individual wants. All serve the Elder Brain. And it is cruel, completely devoid of empathy, sympathy, joy, or charity. Instead, it focuses on fear, anger, curiosity, and ambition. And when challenged by an overwhelming foe, an Elder Brain will either flee or grovel to ensure its continued existence. Elder Brains see themselves as both refugees and victims because they remember everything from their cultural history, including their fall from grace twice. To add to this, it considers itself a savior to the Mind Flayers, and it does a service to everyone by absorbing old and infirm elithids to retain their memories and experiences and give them an immortal state of remembrance by adding their mind to the Hive Collective. It's even convinced the Mind Flayers of this too, and one of the weirdly specific details that we have about their culture is that they have funerary brain jars made before their deaths where a deceased Mind Flayer's extracted brain can be put in a ritualistic jar of brine and preserved for up to two weeks for future consumption by the Elder Brain. So they, they pickle brains and eat them. Gross. But it gets weirder too. I mentioned in passing that Mind Flayers eat brains. Even if you don't know much about Mind Flayers, you probably know that they're tall, hairless bipeds with purplish skin and four tentacles hanging down and covering their mouths. They use these tentacles to grab humanoids by the head and drag them in toward the elithid's mouth. There, they'll crunch through a skull and slurp out the brains for nutrients. But the real benefit to elithids eating this way, though, is the leeching of psionic energy and memories from their victims. And remember, if they eat up and consume stray thoughts, and then return to the five miles uh, radius from the Elder Brain, then those thoughts and memories are added to the eternal collective psychic library. So if they leech your thoughts from a player or an NPC... Everyone knows your secrets. But there are a couple of other interesting relationships that Mind Flayers have with their victims. For example, Mind Flayers have to stay within a hunting distance of humanoid settlements for food, which puts them in danger. If the settlement increases its defenses or evacuates, then the Illithids may need to relocate, which makes them kind of parasitic if you think about it. Adding to this parasitic theme is the fact that Mind Flayers who feed on the minds of different races will slowly start to incorporate traits, habits, and behaviors of their victims. For example, Mind Flayers who feed on drow may have a more rigid kind of society and behavior, as opposed to those who become superstitious from feeding on Kuatoa. But the most disturbing kind of parasitic relationship with humanoids is the literal one. Elithids, you see, lay eggs and hatch tadpole-like creatures that are used in a process called ceramorphosis. A newly hatched tadpole is inserted into a cranial orifice. Like an ear or a nose. Yeah, well, but it has to be of a, a psionically incapacitated humanoid. 
I like the idea of put of ripping on an eyeball and sticking it through an eye socket. Oh, and then it burrows in. It then attaches itself to the humanoid's brainstem, feeding and growing into a replacement brain. From there, the humanoid spends the next week slowly transforming into a new mind flayer that has a few distant memories of its previous life, but otherwise, no connection to who it was beforehand. Every once in a while, Ceramorphosis randomly creates a being called an Eleutherid, which is essentially just a super mind flayer. Eleutherids aren't beholden to elder brains, but they are a part of the psychic network for a while. During this time, the colony benefits from a definite uptick in intelligence, creativity, and strength. But eventually, an Eleutherid will leave the colony and travel at least a hundred miles away so it can give ample space before establishing its own colony. Elder brains don't particularly like Eleutherids, but they're smart enough to recognize that they're needed to propagate the species. How, you might ask? Well, it keeps getting weirder and grosser. They psychically control the thralls to physically build a new arena where it can establish a new brine pool. Then the Ulitharid enters the pool and slowly dissolves, transforming into a new elder brain, starting the cycle anew. Sometimes a regular mind flayer will also strike out on its own, but this only happens when it's been separated from the colony for an extended period of time. They'll head off to make a smaller colony with thralls and other mind flayers that it's created, but until an Ulitharid shows up and takes over, it tends to be comparatively weaker than a standard colony. These renegades tend to integrate into the world a little better, gaining healthier respects for other races and cultures and creatures, and sees other powerful individuals as equals instead of rivals. Can a mind flayer become an Ulitharid? An Ulitharid? Yeah. No. It's only on the in the uh, ceramorphosis the ceramorphosis phase. phase is what decides it. Yeah. All right. So these renegade mind flayers can even become allies and advisors as long as they stay away from the elder brain. The moment they end up back within that five mile radius, they go back to being a part of the colony, and all progress and relationship is lost. Okay. And now the elder brain knows everything about everything it's ever said to you. Most colonies have a single priority, which is survival. While the elder brain hides in its lair, usually in a subterranean area, it builds power and it waits. But eventually, when the colony is secure enough, it refocuses on three main goals. Learn about the world around it, enslave and subjugate the inhabitants, and destroy those fucking gith. <laughs> that's, that's what they want. But the elder brain and the rest of the colony is willing to focus on strange and different plots that may seem bizarre to others, like trying to manipulate the local artists into subtly encouraging the populace to accept disappearances as part of everyday life, or studying digestive systems of magical creatures to learn ways to manipulate magical physiologies. No method for making progress is too strange for illithids. But their favorite methods are achieving their goals in a sneaky way. They don't have the numbers to overwhelm entire cities, so they infiltrate and manipulate in secret. If they determine that a physical confrontation with overwhelming forces is imminent, then they'll release a plague into the population or destroy enough crops to start a famine. They'd rather focus on ways to amplify an elder brain's powers or destabilize an economy than to go to war. That being said, they do have a few go-to schemes. They'll drive creatures mad just to read their thoughts and see if some new idea or bout of mad inspiration becomes useful. They'll foster a school of wizardry in an effort to attract big brain types to their smorgasbord. I like that. They'll sink a city into the Underdark for a buffet. And they'll focus on trying to replicate nautiloid technology so they can turn to the skies once again. Oh yeah, and they'll dis 
destroy any evidence of Gith culture on site. Volos has personal traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws for role-playing mind players, which is helpful, but most of them are pretty straightforward just from reading the lore, and none of it really needed to be highlighted at all. One, I like brains with salt and pepper. I like brains with Tabasco sauce. Um, not quite like that. It's just <laughs> your level of arrogance, your level of weird detachment yeah. from the world. Uh, I don't trust the elder brain. He made a, a mistake one time, and I need to convince him of this. Okay, sure. That's a that's a trait. Good for you. I don't. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they are autonomous creatures, but are connected to this elder brain at the same time. They're an autonomous hive mind. I feel like you've got a micromanager over your shoulder 100% of the time. Oh, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. I love the fact that they kind of fight dirty. Like, because if things are not going their way, they're like, okay, famine, here's some disease. Here's yeah. some, like, it, it gives you an excuse as a DM to really fight nasty. How long does the average mind flayer live? There is no age range given on this. Because it, it does say that they do get old because the yeah. elder brain will eventually take the old and the infirm. Yeah. But like... How old is old for a mind flare? Two hundred years. They clearly have the patience to be able to sit down and be like, "Okay, we're gonna let you, we're gonna salt your land, and we will wait until you know a year or two years until you are." I, I think it's the elder brain that lives so long, right? And it just keeps that consciousness going. So they could all live for five, I don't know seven years. Doesn't matter. That elder brain lives for four hundred, right? Then it yeah. just gets all of these crazy generations going all yeah. the time, right? So I would say I don't know. It's standard humanoid between. What, 60 and 120 years? Yeah, and when sure. it, it doesn't really matter to the elder brain how long they live for, especially because it's just their collective consciousness and passing on that information and expanding the psychic library. You're right, it doesn't matter if it's seven years or 100 years to the elder brain. So. Yeah, the other thing that I thought was really interesting here is that there's one elder brain in each one of these colonies here, and they don't particularly like each other, right? And But they need to propagate the species too. I feel like given enough time in the Underdark especially, there's got to be hundreds of these colonies down there and yet they feel like it's not enough to take over the surface world yet hmm. which means that they're really trying to hedge the bets and what cr is a regular mind flare it's uh, cr7 which means com you compare that to an average human or elf and this thing just defeats it every time what are they scared of that they need to amass an army like that I what shit from the far realms do they mm -hmm. are, is motivating them Right, like that. I gotta wonder what what warlock patrons, what great old ones are. Well, up there. knowing knowing the lore of the gith and the the kind of um, I almost said it, you, you, the kooky dukes bullshit that is. There it is. Yeah, it says it. Fuck. Um, that is up with the upper echelon of the gith. They're not necessarily afraid of the disembodied concept of time or the, you know being hiding between the space between the stars no they're 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 worried about the gith i think i think the gith so thoroughly stomped them with their whole thing if that if they even did right or did the illithids just leave well i the, i honestly based off the gith side of things because i mean look both histories the gith have hunting parties that are that go through the plains specifically hunting mind flares. Yeah, they just sound like my ex who's a stalker, right? Like, it's yeah. just... It's like, I'm done with you. I'm going to go live in the Underdark now. And they're just, like, ringing the doorbell over and over again at 3 in the morning. Except they're coming over with all their friends, and all their friends have bats and psionic swords. I honestly think the mind flares 
were cowed by the Gith. And the reason why they're trying to build up their numbers is because the second they pop onto the uh, surface world is the second they will generate interest from the Gith. Yeah, well, they they both hunt each other, right? Yeah. Like, it's a, that's a little war. It's not quite the blood war, right? It's not quite elves versus drow, but it is definitely one of the common wars in D&D that you can rely on. Well, uh, Mind Flayers versus Gith is a motivating factor in my homebrew world. Like, it, it is one of the big conflicts. You can't take for granted that uh, that if you run into a Mind Flayer, you're not going to run into a Gith as well. Like yeah. They, they come hand in hand. Yeah. Um, well, my planet has... <laughs> My planet has two moons, and on one moon are the Mind Flayers, and on the other moon are the Gith. And when they pass each other, it's massive wars break out and celestial stuff that happens that the peons on the planet side Which don't Gith? Know. Are the Gith Yankee and Gith uh, the same? Uh, no, they are very much not. The It's the Gith Yankee that they're fighting against. So the Gith Zerai are more on the ground level stuff, because the Gith Zerai and the Gith Yankee don't like each other. I either. always figured the opposite of a Gith Yankee would be a Gith Confederate. No? Bum, 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 Because <laughs> I had the little... Yeah, that's, no, I'm with, I'm with so you. So sorry, that's... Yeah. Is yeah. That, that's... All right. I will stop. I'll stop <laughs> making jokes, Dan. You fucking asshole. Maybe don't make get Confederate jokes around the slavers. <laughs> Maybe avoid that. Right. Right. <laughs> I take that flag down, Dan. What the fuck? Fucking no. Hello, podcast people. Podcast people? We're recording. Yes, but it makes them sound like pod. We're recording. You're recording. Fuck. Hello, podcast people. We've got a couple of things going on that you might not know about, and so we thought we'd cut away to a little reminder. First of all, we just want to point everyone to our YouTube channel again. We appreciate that all of you listen on your respective favorite podcast apps, but the It's a Mimic YouTube page has all of our shows laid out in playlists. That means you can listen to our Dragon episodes back-to-back or dig through the Campaign Builder or Touring the Multiverse series without scrolling through the backlog or having to use a search function. New episodes get uploaded within a week of airing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, but the whole backlog is up there. Even the episodes we're embarrassed about. Yeah, fuck, those early cold opens were sloppy. Yeah. And delicious. The other thing we want to hey, mention... Dan, it, what? You, you know what else is sloppy but delicious? Whatever you're going to say next is just going to get cut, so... Well, uh, the other thing we want to mention is our sneaky little store that lives an unassuming little life on our website. There are stickers, magnets, phone cases, notebooks... Cups, water bottles, coffee mugs, and travel wait, mugs. Wait, wait, I could have a mug? I'm tired of your ugly mug already, man. I want a mug. Ooh. We even have masks in a variety of sizes because we're socially conscious people. The current designs are for the It's a Mimic Mike and the Deep Dark Irradiance logo, but we'll be updating the store as time goes on. How big are the mugs? I don't know. There's a standard one and a tall one. And a travel mug too. Jesus, I need to look at this website more often. So, please take a second to check out what we have to offer. We really appreciate the donations we've received through the website, but we want to make sure that you guys have the option of getting something for your hard-earned money. Every little bit helps keep the lights on and the side projects rolling. And we love you for your support. So thank you to everyone out there who visits www.itsamimic.com and checks out our online store there. <laughs> hey, there's even a little pin with the logo on it. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel for perusing the older episodes. Now, without any further delay, let's head back to the show. Jesus, three different kinds of stickers, Dan. We are capitalist whores. Will you please take these damn commercials seriously? No. Right, so let's get into these guys. The Mind Flayers themselves are um, one of those classic examples of wizards taking their 
iconic properties and under CRing them. Yeah, we do see that a lot. Beholders and and uh, well, not dragons so much. Dragons are pretty on, but they're not their. I, they're not their like intellectual property, which is funny with Mind Flayer's intellectual property. But sure, yeah. Um, the beholders are under CR. These guys are under CR, and they they take it another step further. So breaking down the base Mind Flayer, we see a medium aberration that is lawful evil. All that tracks so far. They have a, a 15 armor class, which is purely based off of this space age looking breastplate that they wear. They've got uh, about 117 max hit points at a CR7. Yeah, that's pretty high. That's pretty high. Um, I mean, the average is going to be 71. That's what you see in there. But uh, as with your table, my table, I when I'm running a monster that is iconic as a mind flare, I'm running max hit points. And sometimes you will run into two of them. Yeah, right. Um, they have one speed, and that is their standard medium-sized creature movement speed of 30 feet. They are incredibly average physically uh, with a... Hey, man. Six inches is, is, is above average. Oh, no, man. They're rocking five and a half. However, mentally, they they got the 12-inch. They're, they're, they're fully equipped. Uh, they got a 19 in their int and 17s in both their wisdom and charisma. Their, all of their saving throws are also for their mental stats in their int, wisdom, and charisma. They are heavily skilled with all of this as well. And I think this harkens back to this hive mind mentality that they have with their arcana deception, insight perception, persuasion, and stealth all getting boosts above their stuff. Do that again slowly so I can hear it. Their arcana. Sure. Deception. Yeah. Insight. They -hmm. read minds. Come on. Um, perception. Okay. Persuasion mm-hmm. and stealth. Yeah, they're creepy little bastards. Yeah. They have a 120 foot dark vision with a passive perception of 16. So they know you're there. They know you're there. And remember, these guys are CR7. With a passive perception of 16, they could very well catch your party trying to sneak through those underdark tunnels. Even your rogue. That's not like impossible by no. any means. Um, they speak uh, three languages. Um, the two of them being Undercommon and Deep Speech, which track Undercommon being the Underdark language and Deep Speech being the speech of the stars. Yeah, being tentacles. Their third language is telepathy to 120 feet. Okay, telepathy is not a language. It is not a language in and of itself. No. However, it functions in the way that they can communicate to you regardless of the language, and you will understand them as long as they speak to your mind. But the thing about telepathy is, as they, as much as they speak to you, they speak to you with the idea of, of pictograms and general ideas. It can show you the sun setting, and you will know that the, it's supposed to be, you know, at sundown, right? But the way that telepathy works in D&D is that I can't... I couldn't give Terry the idea that... Um, I'm looking to replace the next general in one single sentence. I'd have to give him the picture of, of the current general mm-hmm. and then an axe hitting a executioner block. And then um, the image of him rising up a staircase onto a stage, right? To get that idea across. So yeah. it, there can be misinterpretations with telepathy. I, and I would, I was actually going to mention the fact that, especially because these guys are aliens from beyond the stars their concepts that they will try to communicate to you will seem simple to them but will be bonkers to you as they're putting these images in your brain as for their actual uh mechanics that they have here they are resistant to magic which means they have advantage on saves versus all spells and other magical effects well that's not annoying 
Nope. Um, they are also innate psionic spellcasters using their intelligence as a casting stat, which, reminder, is a 19. So it's no slouch. They can cast innately at will, detect thoughts, and levitate, as well as once per day each of dominant monster and plane shift self only. Your average CR7 Mind Flayer gets levitate at will, dominate monster, and plane shift. Yeah. These things are smart enough to know that if you if they're cornered, they'll run. They'll plane shift out. They'll plane shift out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, take a little bit of a nap and they'll come back and formulate a better plan to take you out. It is worth pointing out, though, that these spellcasting, like these spells, they're not going to be able to be used with a multi-attack. No. No, they're right. not. These are separate it's not. It's not using its reaction to get away. No. Um, to plane shift out. It needs to burn its action to do it. Speaking of its actions, we have its main weapon attack, which is, of course, its tentacles. Those four little gnarly things hanging off its face. They're prehensile, aren't they? They are. Uh, they have a plus seven to hit and will do 2d10 plus four psychic damage when they hit you. If the target is medium or smaller, it is then grappled and must succeed on a DC 15 save or be stunned until the grapple ends. So one save... And note that it is an intelligence saving throw, or you are stunned until the grapple is done. With no opportunity to With repeat. no opportunity to break it out on subsequent turns. Subsequent? Subsequent sure. <laughs> We've done this. We, we've had this conversation we've before. We've had this through before, yeah. This is one of the ones where I don't see an issue with. It's like someone saying foyer to me, and I'm like, no, it's not that. It's Yeah, it's a, it's a foyer. It's a foyer, yeah. Want to know how the uh, grapple ends? When it extracts your brain, also a plus seven to hit, which by the way, you're grappled, so it has advantage. One incapacitated humanoid grappled by the Mind Flayer is the target, where it will do 10d10 piercing damage to you. Keep in mind, CR7. That's roughly 55. Yep. And if it hits, um, sorry, and if this damage reduces you to zero or below, you're dead. It eats your brain. Crunch of the skull and slurp of the brains. Yep. So in two turns, this is going to kill all of your fighters, pretty much, right? Nothing's going to be able to resist that intelligence saving throw to get stunned. And 10d10 damage at CR7, you you have more hit points than your barbarian. That it, it can well, especially because you took damage from before that, yeah, right? right? From the actual attack. Now, if that isn't good enough on a uh, rechargeable 5 to 6 ability, uh, it gets its mind blast. Now, this functions a lot like a dragon's breath in its rechargeability. At the end of your turn, you re-roll a d6, and on a 5-6, it'll recharge for the next turn. Now, what happens when this happens is a mind flare will emit a magical cone that is 60 feet. Each creature in that area must succeed on that same DC 15-inch save, or take 48 plus 4 psychic damage and be stunned for one minute. Oh, so which means it's going to hit you, it's going to hit everyone with this. Yeah. And then it is going to come up while you are stunned and hit you with the tentacle attack, so it has advantage. Yeah. And it was 4d8, right? 4d8 for this damage, plus another 2d10 for the psychic damage with the tentacle attack. Hold on, and hold then, on, hold on. You're going too fast. 4d8 works out to be... Uh, well, 48 18. plus 4, so it's, the average is 22. Yeah, so 22, and then what was the next one? 15 would be the average with 2d10 plus 4. Okay. And then... 55 with 10d10 psychic damage. So, so 92, damage. 92 total. At CR7, your barbarian wishes he had I mean, 92. you're not doing it all in the same round. 
No. But you're stunned and stunned and stunned. Now, the stun with the Mind Blast is different from everything else because it does give you, on every subsequent, no, subsequent, subsequent turn, um, you can make another save to try to beat it. But just on the Mind Blast, on the grapple, you can't. So, that is our base Mind Flare. There's not a lot else there with them. However, we are offered two small variants. You mentioned, Adam, that they like setting up spell uh, schools like uh, arcane colleges to draw in wizards to eat their nice, tasty, well-formed brains. I think that's brilliant, by the way. Uh, so Just do I. Just to jump in there real quick. I think that's amazing that they're grooming these wizards. You're, but, you're so good. But your base... There's no divination here, though. We don't want you to throw But their base mind flare doesn't have the spell casting oomph to be able to do it. So... Wizards has given us a variant, which is the Arcanist. By the way, Wizards, I want to see this with dragons. Moving on. Is it Arcanist? Arcanist? I go Arcanist. Arcanist? No, not Arcanist. Arcanist. An Arcanist sounds like just like a guy wielding a cane that's shaped like an R. Oh, you want to go with I want to go with... I naturally lead to Arcanist, because that's the way we I would kind of say in the UK. Like, we no. don't say... What's the thing that you told me? You say artificer? Artificer. We yeah. say artificer. Oh, yeah, you put the artificer. emphasis so it on the It makes me want to say ar- arcanist. Like that. Yeah, okay. So, anyways, uh, the arcanist. Is that better? Yeah. Well, okay. Whatever you want, man. I sure. Um, basically, they get some time to supplement their uh, psionic abilities with spellcasting. Now, they are 10th level spellcasters, and their CR goes up by one. We're talking about that in a second. Because as 10th level spellcasters, they get 5th level spells. CR goes up by one. Mm-hmm. Those spells that they get are the cantrips of Blade Ward, Dancing Lights, Mage Hand, and Shocking Grasp. Yeah, okay. Blade Ward is one of those ones like... Shocking Grasp, though. But Shocking Grasp is great. Uh, just to add to the jellyfish look. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right? Um, their first level are Detect Magic, tracks, Disguise Self. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. Shield... And and probably the best spell they have in their entire retinue, sleep. So not only do can they stun you, then they put you all to sleep. Yeah. Okay? Then they save you for a midnight snack. Nom, nom, nom. They also, at second level, get blur. So now they have so concealment. stuck in their head? Uh, and concealment. Um, invisibility. And ray of enfeeblement. I wish they had the one that uh, targets intelligence. Make something a little bit more stupid so that they fail the save. But... That might just be wishful thinking at this point. They they're also powerful enough. They're powerful oh, enough. No. Uh, at third level, they get clairvoyance, lightning bolt, and sending. Sending is interesting. I really like the lightning flavor here. Like I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, neither was I. Um, at fourth level, they get confusion and hallucinatory terrain, and then at fifth level, they get telekinesis and wall of force. So all of this makes a lot of sense. And by the way, they get four first level spell slots, three second level spell slots. Three third level spell slots, and both four and five, they get two spell slots. So, like, there are no slouches at this either, and it's only one CR higher. DMs, please, they're a CR nine when you do this to them. The book is wrong. But if maybe just being an arcanist is not mind flayery enough, and you want a little bit more psionics, we go to Volos to talk about the mind flayer Scion. The Scions are often seen as delinquents to their Mind Flayer cousins, devoting themselves to deeper psionic studies. They, again, are spellcasters of a 10th level with a 15 save DC for all their spells. 
their challenge rating also only goes up by one to CR8. So these are, you're either an Arcanist or you're a Scion. You won't be able to mess with both. As for spells, they get Guidance, Mage Hand, Vicious Mockery, and True Strike as their cantrips. The idea of a Mind Flayer uh, casting Vicious Mockery. Vicious Mockery, yeah. I was is, just thinking about that. Is, I, but I also like it because it's going to be in deep speech. So it's yeah. going to... And it just hurts. Why not Zoidberg? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they get four first level spell slots to cast Charm Person, Command, Comprehend Languages, which they don't really need, and Sanctuary. Sanctuary is the threatening one No, there. Comprehend Languages is not tongues. Comprehend Languages lets them read. I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah. At second level, they get three spell slots to cast Crown of Madness. Uh, Madness? Madness. The Madness. Crown, Crown of Madness. That was hard. Phantasmal Force and Sea Invisibility. That is at, when you turn the oceans invisible. Right. At Sea Invisibility as well, just in case you were, you, it wasn't hard enough to try and sneak up on these people. Uh, right. right. Um, at third level, they get three spell slots to cast Clairvoyance, Fear, and Meld into Stone. Cool. <laughs> At fourth level spells, they get four, uh, three spell slots to cast confusion or stone shape. So we're getting a, these guys are like floating through the walls to ambush you level of, and like stopping you in the wall so you can't run away from them, like shaping the stone around you so you can't run. And then the tentacles. I also like that they're casting fear. Hold on. I got to pause you, Dan. What do you say to scare the shit out of adventurers? Mind flare. No, no, no. What is, what does the, what does the mind flare say to them? To make them, like, become fearful when they cast fear. Um, I worked in a haunted house. We tried all sorts of crazy things to scare the shit out of people. And, like, I'll kill you is not one of the... Rawr! Doesn't scare people. Like, what is a mind flayer hmm. saying to scare the shit out of people? Uh, I'm, I, I like the Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello there. Utter confidence. Like, oh, hi. Like, but you, like, but, but that you were expected. Like, like, you were guests in their realm. And you don't know where the voice came from because it's in your head. My favorite scary thing that ever worked in a haunted house, just to continue the sidebar, is um, we would run up and down in the back of the, the hallways where it was the darkest, uh, asking people very loudly, peanut butter? Peanut butter? It scares the shit out of people because it comes out of nowhere and it just sounds crazy in the darkness. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. like And you have to phrase it as a question or it's not scary and you have to really commit to it. You just scare the shit out of people. That was my favorite With one. Just, butter? Yeah. Yikes. Okay, so at fifth level, these guys get two spell slots to cast scrying. So there that is, and telekinesis. It's pronounced telekinesis? No, it's not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so I I know what I know, alright? Do you <laughs> no. The problem is you don't know what you don't know. So um with these two variants, the Arcanist and the Scion, you could clearly see that they have under CR'd these threats. Spells like Stone Shape, Meld into Stone, Sleep. You're going to be easily overpowering a 7th level party with the one of these guys, right? So play them carefully. And remember, they are also intensely intelligent. They're going to outplay you every time and they've got the ammo to do it. So um, now that we know what these guys are, let's grab the dice, let's roll. I want to know one environmental or social encounter with these guys that doesn't end in combat or brain eating. At least not your players. I got a two. Five. Thirteen. I mean, my favorite thing to do with these guys is put them on spaceships. I want to give them the technology, but I want it to be dead technology. I want it to feel like the husk, an empty shell 
of a derelict ship. Sure. And they're in there mucking about to turn on electricity, which should fuck with your players a little bit, when they pull out obviously a silver pistol and point it at them. And it just does nothing. It, I mean, it hasn't charged up. There's nothing there. Right? But it will do enough to make everybody scatter. I also like introducing a little bit of the sci-fi element. Um, and having them be weird aliens at first is a cool way to introduce them because then you find the colony afterwards and realize that, oh, we killed the two in the spaceship. We won. Oh, you didn't. Not by a damn sight. Yeah. So I, for me, you, you killed the two research scientists that were two and a half miles away from the elder brain colony. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I like to do with, uh, with mind flares. I don't use them very often because like. Terry said earlier, once you stumble upon their society, you're fucked. There's no way out. Yeah. Right? You have to show up prepared or have divine intervention. There's nothing in the middle. Right? Yeah. Um, Terry, what do you got? Yeah. With regards to social encounters, it's so tough. The only way I could think to do it is is that you would have to be useful to them in some way. Yeah. Perhaps they have an agenda that they would prefer that you execute for them because they don't they don't want to surface yet. But they still have work that needs to be done on the surface, and so they're going to do it through you. Um, that also gives you the opportunity there as the DM to kind of protect the PCs somewhat from the illithid threat in that they can now maybe move into their society a little deeper because they know that they're not going to be killed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now you have an opportunity to explore safe-ish um, because you're being used by them or they're using you to complete their agenda. Adam, you mentioned the derelict technology aspect i like using that with them as well but not having a massive colony because like you said if they have the massive colony they're a massive threat having a couple mind flayers trying to rebuild their ship and have your party 10 sessions before walk away with this weird uh crystal encaged in what looks like aluminum shielding around it right and the mind flayers have know that you have their power pack or whatever this is and they want it from you. So you have a couple dudes who are acting like Stepford Wives level. They're just they're just slightly off from normal, right? And all they want is to buy that thing from you, right? They know that if their true forms were shown right now, this would not go well for them. Because they're the only two illithid in this region. Their spaceship crashed. They need this part to complete, right? And they know they don't stand a chance. They need out, right? They need to get back to the Elder Brain. So uh, having them play from that angle and then you get to play a weird, are they doppelgangers? Are they um, shifters of some sort? Like what is going on with these two weird guys? And then you uncover that they're mind flares and could actually mess your party up. Hmm. Right? Yeah. I like the idea too that they could be rogue. If they're that far away from the Elder Brain yeah. for long enough, they could actually be decent guys. When they reveal themselves to be mind flares and everybody just shits the bed and rolls initiative... They go, no, 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 wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's come to an agreement. Yeah, but I mean, my flesh still got to eat. What What is he eating if if not? There's a goblinoid brains. camp down the road. You bring us goblins, which you can handle. Let us focus on our technology here, and we will give you this laser pistol when we leave. And you know, you know, the ranger goes. I'm sorry, the what now? <laughs> I will take three. What What is a laser? Yeah, yeah. Cool. What about battle tactics for these guys? I mean, they're, look, they got dark vision. They're in the underdark. They're telepathic and psionic, so they know you're there before you know it's there. This is going to ambush. They're going to send in 
their their beefy thralls first, and then they're going to sit back. They call them meat tenderizers, by the way. Um, and then they're going to sit back and hit you with the mind blast, right? And they're yeah. just going to work their way through their their action list there, mm-hmm. right? Mind blast first, and then the tentacle grapple, and then they they're going to eat some brains. No. Right, and that's just it. And I also like the idea of a mind flayer who is starving, who hasn't eaten for a while, that eats a brain of one of your player characters, and then gets their personality because that—that's a thing specifically of the barbarian. <laughs> well, can you can you imagine? Oh no, no, it it eats the beloved NPC um, spouse and then takes on their personality. And yeah, just and, like, and, but how does how does a mind flayer do CrossFit very well, Terry? How does it, well, I imagine they'd be very good at CrossFit with all of their tentacles and stuff. They have 15 abs. Yeah. 15. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Interesting factoid. The six-pack is actually only one muscle, not six. Never mind. Moving on. What are your uh, battle plans for these guys? Mine's here, only one muscle, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, Mine's a keg. I think, I think this is the creature where you, you can be very uh, directly aggressive with it in the sense that you know we know that if you're playing a dm or you're playing like a blue dragon for example it's a little shitty to just fly 80 feet away and just lightning bolt lightning breath weapon from a distance and then kind of move around doesn't stop me from doing it no it doesn't. <laughs> your, your players will be like what the fuck man but but and then you could kind of for the narrative be like well now the dragon's frustrated with you so he's coming in and he's getting a bit more reckless these guys wouldn't they know Dan's not Dan's not gonna justify it. He's gonna say, Well, I've killed half of you, fuck off, Brad, you DM, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys are gonna go pure logic and whatever is the best way to kill you, and they're not gonna they're not gonna stray from that. They're not gonna let emotions get in the way. No. They're just gonna go, it makes perfect sense for us to hang out. You get you. to take the gloves off as a DM. Yeah. You get to go real hard at your players with this. Yeah. yeah. Um I honestly I love the levitate. I love the dominate. I love the let's let's Turn the barbarian against the party. Yeah. Long enough for them to figure that out. Give them 10 minutes and then float down from the chasm where they, where they've set up their camp to rest after the barbarian just blew a rage on the wizard for some imagined slight, right? Float down and just start picking the party off one by one. If you start running the variants, you've got stone shape, you've got hallucinatory terrain, you've got so many different crowd control options. Put half the party to sleep. Put that guy thinking he's uh, prancing through a forest somewhere. Yeah. And now it's just me and the rogue. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Right? Confusion. Confusion, Confusion is in there. Right? Yeah. One yep. of my favorite spells. Yeah. Yep. Wall of force. Just like slap a wall between your party. Guess what? Now you, you actually have the mind flare split the party for you. Exactly. Right? Adam, what about a plot hook? Um, I like the idea of them as uh, NPCs. That have been separated from maybe getting hunted by the others to be dragged back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can give you information. I need you to protect me. Um, I can give you incredible psionic gifts and uh, super technology beyond anything you've ever imagined. Um, you essentially can shoot this laser beam. It's like a magic missile, but it doesn't take up spell slots. It'll work in an anti-magic field, right? Yeah. Like these kind of neat boons that you can hand out. Mm-hmm. Um while still being weird as all balls, which I really like. Ah, I think a sex thing, too, I got to ask. And I don't just mean the tentacles. I mean the fact that they're dressed like freaking BDSM. Like, like, dressed like Morticia. Well, no, the the, the Ulithrid is. The regular oh, yeah. one is they're all in chains up and they have Dominate Monster. Oh, yeah. It's something they can do, right? Like, no, I, I, I don't think so. No. I wouldn't play them with that, no. 
No, they're not all whips and chains. No. No, this is just their... Thank you, mind daddy. <coughs> you wouldn't represent that in the lair or anything? The, t- the fact that they're to do with dominance and enslaving? or you know? I mean, dominance and enslaving, yes, but it's not sexual. No, it doesn't have to be, but it could just look a little bit. But the what you guys are doing is... What do you mean what we're okay. doing? Damn. Literally, we're... there's hand signals right now. Like, there's 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 acting happening around just this mic. Just look beneath the table. Oh, God. Anyways, so, uh, Terry, what do you have for a plot device with these guys? Um, it, it, this is more for the social encounters with them, but Adam kind of touched on it earlier. Is, is, I no more of the sex stuff, Terry. No more sex stuff. Adam's no touched on that stuff. right now. But, but in a second, a little bit. I would lean into Just the them. tip of it? If they'd escaped the rest of the, the hive mind and they're trying to blend in, they, yes, they're very in, intelligent and they do have a great, good awareness of people. I think the charisma was high for the ones that you listed yep. there, Dan. But there's going to be an adjustment period where you're right, something will be off. And I think you should play into that almost like that. What's that little Instagram alien cartoon? You know, the little Nathan's Planet or something? Oh, it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, they, they, I can imagine the two of them in the tavern and one's like, I require sustenance. And the other one's like, whatever. Will the sustenance be whatever? Are and you two can, holding hands? If you know how to pass on yeah. protein strands, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> Even just if the, if the party goes up to them and then one's like, the barbarian wishes to mate with the ranger. And then the other one's like, yes, I can sense it. And then they're like, what the fuck? No, I don't. He yeah. does. <laughs> no, I love so, that. Yeah. yeah, I would lean into that because you can, you can, you're can. you right. There's going to be a mystery to it on its own. You're, you're looking for it. Are they wearing a hat of disguise? Are they doppelgangers? Who are these guys? It allows you another way into the society. That's what I'm always looking for is way in. Yeah, fair enough. Um, For me, they're from the stars, man. So a meteor fell to earth. It landed in the woods. Go Go retrieve the um, the core of the meteor that fell to Earth. Except it's not a meteor. Mm-hmm. It's one of the spaceships, and there's one elephant out. Low level, tier uh, tier two, tier one level encounter with a hurt, damaged elephant. This thing is going to fuck up a tier one party, I even mean, if it's hurt. Even if it's hurt, it will fuck up a tier one party. Could you yep. bring in a kind of fantasy men in black? If this if this meteor one hundred percent comes to the earth, and then I, all of a sudden there's like the the otherworldly guild or something. There, there, no, well, there's the Horizon Walkers in Forgotten Lore's realm, which are basically that. Yeah, they they just protect the material plane from extra planar beings. Yeah, and that's basically the Men in Black for for uh, these guys, the Horizon Walkers. There you go. You get in with that that guild or that group of people and there and there's your way in to explore this a little more well it's going to get a little more complicated when we start to dig into the elder brains okay so i know i spoke at length about elder brains before but here's some additional details that i found okay first of all when an elder brain infiltrates the mind of a victim it controls what they sense and perceive hmm there are no mechanics for this but there fucking will be in my game i'll tell you that (laughs) uh second if the psychic suggestions of an elder brain are resisted by a creature, it will double down and just try to turn the creature into a meat puppet and just dominate monster because they have that ability to. Yeah. Also, elder brains can imbue themselves with the personality of any creature whose brain it has absorbed for sustenance. So it can essentially call forth the soul of anything it's eaten and take on that personality and memories. The party fuckery that you could do with that. Oh, yeah. Right? Like... Titus having Kogu reach out from the void and just like whispering in his... We're not going to talk about Kogu's void. We're moving on. (laughs) Each colony has a unique elder brain that has no use for others of its kind. Each one thinks of itself as the most important being in the universe and in the multiverse. And all other elder brains are necessary for the species, 
but inherently flawed. So they've got this super ego thing going on as well. Not a super ego. Well, maybe a super ego. They'll have an ego and an id as well. My point is that they are egotistical as okay. well. Okay. Um, even though each elder brain has a perfect memory of previous generations, they have all had unique experiences themselves. So each elder brain's unique perspective is essentially a product of its own experiences and who it's eaten. So environment means everything. Well, all environments mean everything, right? Like this thing. No, no, no. But, but, but it, look, it, let's it, say that three touch down at the same time, one in Eberron, one in the Forgotten Realms, one in the Underdark. Each one of the elder brains will be radically, radically different. different. Yeah, yeah. Elder brains don't live long outside of their brine. There are no mechanics for this, but I'd give them a level of exhaustion for every minute they spend out of their, out of their brine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just can picture, they move? They can. You can just picture a little tentacle dragging its, this big, like, room-sized brain across the, the stone floor. I've always thought of Elder Brains like the Navigator from Dune. Just like this big thing in a jar that, like, glows when it speaks. Yeah, but they're not in a jar. They're in a pool. They're in, like, a Lazarus pit. Yeah, like, yeah. It's a little different. So, they are considered legendary creatures, and they have lair actions and regional effects, too. For the lair actions, the Elder Brain can cast Wall of Force. Or it can give one ally it can see, or it can sense, not see, within 120 feet, a flash of inspiration that gives advantage on a single attack roll, ability check, or saving throw until the end of the ally's next turn. Or it can use its overwhelming psychic fortitude to anchor a creature it senses within 120 feet to its spot. Which means the creature has to succeed on a DC 18 charisma save, or it's stuck in its space. It can make... The saving throw again at the end of each of its turns, but otherwise is trapped indefinitely. It all goes away if the Elder Brain dies. Yeah. But otherwise, you're rooted to the spot until you break this, until you make the save. And it's DC 18? Yep, charisma. Ooh. For regional effects, which take place within five miles of the Elder Brain, which is the same distance of its psychic web, creatures feel like they're being watched and followed all of the time. Because they are. Also... The Elder Brain can hear any telepathic conversation, but it can't participate in it. If the person who initiated the conversation succeeds in a DC-18 insight check, then they know that someone is eavesdropping, but they don't know who or from where. And additionally, any creature who has been psychically linked to the Elder Brain hears psychic whisperings. These are the stray thought fragments of the Elder Brain. Is an Elder Brain an old god patron? Like a great old one? Yeah. Well, maybe. It could be. I don't see why not. Level one, you get the telepathy, that 30-foot telepathy. That's uh, a level one warlock with great old one. Well, yeah, but you have to stay within five miles of it. No, but you get that stock. So if it's a patron, maybe it's just extending its reach out to you. I don't think they, I don't think they can extend their reach that far. The stock ones can't anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you beef it up a bit, but yeah. Cool. Let me jump into the stats. They're a large aberration, which means they're a fucking massive floaty brain with tentacles. They're only large? Yeah. They're lawful evil and they're CR 14. They've got an AC of 10 because they're not combatants. And mm-hmm. they they move slowly, you're going to hit them. Um, but they've got 20 D10 plus 100 hit points. They have a speed of 5 feet and a swim of 10 feet. Their constitution, intelligence, and charisma are all above 20. Wisdom is a 19 and strength is a 15. The worst is dex, which is still comparable to humans. It has massive bonuses to saves for its mental stats. And arcana, deception, insight, intimidation... And persuasion all have bonuses in the double digits. Jeez. Now the brain doesn't have eyes, but it does have 120 feet of blind sight, 
and its passive perception is 14. It understands common, deep speech, and undercommon, but has no mouth or vocal cords, so it can't speak. It does have telepathy for five miles, so I think it more than makes up for it. Yeah, for sure. And it does have common, so it will communicate with language. It has legendary resistances three times a day, and magic resistance. And while the lore says that it can connect with all the mind players in the colony at once, the stat block says it can only connect to ten at a time. So depending on how you want to flavor that DMs, you can kind of fudge those numbers a bit. The Elder Brain is also a spellcaster with spell save DC of 18. It can cast Detect Thoughts and Levitate at will and gets Dominate, Monster, and Plane Shift much like the Mind Flayer did. But those it only gets once a day. That really doesn't seem like enough for an Elder Brain. Dominate Monster should be three times a day in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now there's a feature called Creature Sense as well that says that the Elder Brain is capable of detecting intelligent creatures. If they have a four or higher in intelligence and are within five miles of the Elder Brain then it knows the distance and direction of the creature and its intelligence score. It doesn't know anything else about it, and Volo's Guide to Monsters mentions that some spells can hide creatures from this. But it knows where you are, how far away you are, and how smart you are. It's going to send its mind flayers hunting. There is no multi-attack, but there is a tentacle attack. Plus 7 to hit, 30 foot reach, 4d8 plus 2 bludgeoning, and if the target is huge or smaller, it's grappled. It takes 1d8 plus 5 psychic damage at the start of each of its turns until the grapple ends. The escape DC is 15, and up to 4 creatures can be grappled like this at a time. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. But there's no multi-attack, so it takes 4 turns to get that far. And then it's just pumping out like psychic pulses down the tentacle to you. The next action is Mind Blast, which recharges on a 5 or 6, just like yours. But there's no limit to how many creatures can be targeted by this attack, and there's no limitations about having to see the creatures or anything. Just everyone the Elder Brain chooses in a 60-foot radius must succeed on a DC-18 intelligence save or take 5d10 plus 5 psychic damage and be stunned for one minute. Keep in mind, this thing's got blind sight of 120. You're not sneaking up to it. Nope. A successful save doesn't incur damage, and stunned creatures can try to roll again at the end of each of their turns, which is really your saving grace. Mm-hmm. The next action the Elder Brain has is Psychic Link. It targets one incapacitated creature that it can perceive with its creature sensibility. Now, with Mind Flayers around and its own ability to stun, that's going to be your party a lot of the time. This allows them to establish a Psychic Link that lets the Elder Brain perceive anything that the target perceives. The moment that it stops being incapacitated, the target creature knows that something is in its mind and can try to break the link with a successful DC-18 Charisma save, but... Beware. If you break the link forcibly, you take 3d6 psychic damage. The only other way is to break the link is if the Elder Brain dies, if you get more than 5 miles away, or if the Elder Brain releases you with a legendary action. And remember that it can connect up to 10 creatures at a time. Yikes. So the Elder Brain has sensed the target, mind blasted and connected with a psychic link. Now what? Well, the last regular action you get is Sense Thoughts, which focuses on the linked creature. The Elder Brain gets a read on the target's reasoning, emotional state, and thoughts. It can make a deception check with advantage to convince the target that it feels or believes something. The target can try to use an insight check to contest it, but if the Elder Brain wins, the mind believes this deception for an hour or until the lie is proven false. Huh. So, I mentioned that Elder Brains get legendary actions. Of course, they get three every round. One can be a tentacle attack. 
one can automatically disrupt the concentration of a spellcaster with no save. And this causes 1d4 psychic damage per level of the spell. Target your flying characters, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cast oh, you're, you're, you're casting concentrate on fly? Oh, guess what? Bad news for you. Another option is to send a psychic pulse through a creature that it has a connection to within 120 feet. So it doesn't even need to have a tentacle around a creature. It just knows that you are 80 feet away down the corridor. So it sends out a psychic blast. Any creature within 10 feet of you then takes 3d6 psychic damage, but you don't take any. There's no save and there's no to hit. They just take Take it. it. And the last ability, like I said earlier, is to sever a psychic link with someone that's within 120 feet. This again doesn't have a save or anything. It just happens. Fortunately, it doesn't cause damage. Unfortunately, it does give the target disadvantage on all ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws until the end of its next turn. (laughs) So this guy is entirely battlefield control. The tentacle attacks are good to do some damage. Yeah. Yeah. But at CR 14, you're not fucking up a party on hit points. You're mind controlling them and stunning them over and over. You're making them. Fight the situation, less yeah, fight that's you. right. You're stopping them doing from what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. This is so much fun. I freaking love this creature. Guys, grab your dice. I want to hear what you have. Yeah. Sure. 13. 19. Oh, six. All right. So, 19. I, I'm not even going to ask what the environment. The environment is straightforward, right? Social encounters are pretty straightforward. Well, we know what elder brains want. Yeah. They're single-minded. What is a unique way that you would think about their lair, something that you would add to their environment to make it a little bit more fucky or interesting? I got flashes too. Do you guys remember the old Street Fighter movie with Bison and his floating um, platforms? Yeah. Yep. I imagine this is what the area would be like. And they would have full psychic control of these so they can move them around as they want. You could put a mechanic into it or randomize it or do something. Uh, but I like the idea that they're, they're going to be moving these things around uh, in various directions because they don't need it to be... They're not us. They don't need a a hallway that's 10 foot wide that goes in a straight line. They can work in 3D uh, and move things around to different levels. And uh, that's just going to make it more challenging, but also may give you opportunities to to take advantage from that in some Mm -hmm. way as well. But it makes the environment a lot more interesting. Well, if you have lair actions and legendary actions, you can just sit back and fuck with Levitate at will as much as you want. Because you probably have mind flares and and thralls kicking around too. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is like this guy's got dozens of various types of creatures as thralls all the way around it. I mean, at the very least, I thought I've always thought these things were huge or greater, like massive brains, a large size, like a brain the size of a cow is still a big brain, but that will still require like I don't know, like several thralls just sitting there like. Making sure that he's wet like a whale out of water, like mm-hmm. uh, Free Willy, right? Where they're just constantly pouring new water over him to keep him moist. You could even have a uh, one of the arcanists there to mess with the shaping of the ground with stone shape to further hinder your party. You could have one guy there who's the in charge of all the thralls almost, beyond the guy who's like in charge of everyone keeping it waste. You know, some sort of, while they're all basting, he's some sort of master baster. Um, and I'm moving past it now. How do you how? Do, what situation do you have them in? Do, are they just in the big Zordon cylinder in the brine? Kinda, or? yeah. 
See, I don't know if I would. Well, 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 I, well, I, 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 I like that idea of it being a, exposed. Like it's, it's not, not in a the cylinder. tube. I, it's, it's, a, it's a pool, right? It's, it's a pool. It's yeah. around. They step down three steps and they're, they're wading through the sauna with a great big brain with tentacles in the middle really? of it. I so like, is it just the tentacles are dragging it? Is that how this thing like physically moves? Or, or the wriggle to swim? I or something? another environment, it would be more like something like Science World. Like a big kind of orb like that. And Regional reference. Look up science Regional world. Regional reference. Science, well, Vancouver is the culture capital of the world, so you should already know, really. The world does revolve around Terry. It, it does. It does. Um, <laughs> just, just no denial. <laughs> a giant orb with them in the middle of it. And maybe they could enter it as though it's like a big goldfish bowl or something. They can oh, so, so something that resembles your head then. Check. So what are you talking about? <laughs> Terry doesn't have a goldfish-sized head. No, a goldfish bowl-sized head. I don't. Oh. I have a very checked ego. I find other people <laughs> yeah. bringing things up about me. I don't know why I never bring myself up. Um, it's 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 all reflections of our own insecurities, Terry. Like just go with it. Hey, yeah. Ours. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was I saying, Dan? Goldfish bowl. Goldfish bowl. Right, and the battle environment is in in the brine. But it's not just like a little bit of brand. Like the, it's a lot. It's yeah, a huge big environment. Having it be like a massive, like Olympic-sized pool with this one like floating cow. Bigger, Dan. Bigger. Think, think Blitzball, Final Fantasy X. Big. Okay. Huge. No, I. I. Huge. Not only do I Welcome like the reference. The Thunderdome. The Thunderdome. Right. Filled with brine and its own threats within the brine. Yeah. It's got like a bunch of aquatic creatures that are thralls. Yes, yes, it has got a bunch of aquatic creatures. <laughs> aquatic. <laughs> All right, so hold on. Um, battle tactics. Uh, it's it's just it's a it's a big battle master, really. Is it? It's a environment it, manipulation. It's it a avoids. Manipulation. It avoids contact and pits the party against each other. Like I gotta say too. This thing has levitate. It's going to float up in the air, and it's got 30-foot reach with the tentacles. Yeah. It's not sitting in the pool waiting for you to wade up to it. Is this thing floating around a room? I think so, like dripping brine on you and Mm -hmm. slapping you with tentacles. With the master baster up top making sure it's still wet. Thank you, mind daddy. Can I have another? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Any other insights on battle tactics with it? Well, it it stays away. It's got its thralls to hinder your party in melee to slow you down, because it knows... I could throw an ogre at you. I don't care if you're level 14. I could throw an ogre at you. That'll slow you down for at least one turn, right? Oh, what yeah, am I going to do that one turn? I, I change this entire battlefield in an instant, right? Between the layer actions, the regional effects, yeah. and the legendary actions, it doesn't need to sit there and, and fight you. It just doesn't. It can fuck off. And some of that shit is a five-mile radius. It's going to go through the door. It's going to close Star Trek style yeah. and lock. And then, then what do you do? It can still hit you with all of its shit. It doesn't need to see you. It just needs to sense you. Mm. Okay, then one plot hook for a side quest or an adventure of some sort revolving around an elder brain. How about you don't have to kill it. You have to steal it. It's Yeah, it's a large-sized creature. that You could do that. I mean, stick it in a pool on the back of a semi. I was just thinking, <laughs> oh, like I'm, I'm picturing this. I Go get a pop star to stand in the middle of an yeah. island somewhere. Well, you yeah. might even take him back to Starship Troop because you know where they're dragging out the cave. It's afraid. <laughs> like Doogie Hauser shows up. And, yeah. uh, nice. Uh, honestly, I would you like to know more? <laughs> um, I like the idea. Of maybe... Sorry, last one, last one. Go on. I like the idea of using these guys as almost as the MacGuffin. Go get the corpse of a elder brain, right? What kind of sh- gigantic shriveled up raisin does that look like? Mm. 
right? But go get the corpse of this thing for whatever reason. Uh, it is it is a paragon of intellect. Getting the shriveled up brain is going to be valuable to somebody, right? So using that as a plot hook to get this thing. And of course, it's probably still revered by some illithids. So you're going to have to fight through the destroyed colony. You're seeing the after effects of what happens when a colony has an elder brain, then that elder brain has died, and now they are leaderless. Yeah, and you know what? If the elder brain dies, they lose all the cultural history. Uh huh. So it's not just their leader dying, it's their entire civilization dies with it. Do you think that mind players scatter back to another colony? I, I honestly think they get existential. Like they just, they don't know how to handle themselves now that they're stuck in only their own heads. I get it. We think, therefore we are. Yeah. Get it? Because it's that. Never mind. Fuck. So one big warning we do have to um, get out there, especially now we see that the Elder Brain is just all about all of this psychic shit. And we've experienced time and time again in this game that psionics can be handled so poorly. DMs, please handle it carefully. Be gracious to your players because the second you start dealing with what is going on inside their characters' heads, you you are in danger of tearing agency away from your players. Especially with Dominate Monster. I mean, oh, holy yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Make sure you have a plan going into it for how this uh, this will uh, affect your party and be as gracious as you can with your players. It's it's going to cause a lot of troubles and problems if you handle this poorly. One big tip I would give you guys is just because it has telepathy doesn't mean it is able to read your every thought. It's got to use abilities to do that. It's not going to be able to do that straight. Either the Mind Flayer or the It uses actions to do it. It uses actions to do it, right? So if your party succeeds on their saves, they have a relative amount of safety going in. So please set up an encounter with an Alderbrain with some anti-divination items or some mental shielding items or something. Nothing that's going to give them a massive edge in the battle. But again, these things are under CR'd. So if it gives them a little bit of an edge in a battle, that just means you get to pull off the gloves. Yeah, and just remember as the DM that it's the the excitement comes from how do they do it? How do mm-hmm. they overcome it? And then you're right, Dan, is giving them ways or suggestions or options to do that. You know, it's when you have such a powerful creature like this, it's too easy to just put them in their lair and they have the perfect environment and all the cards are stacked in their favor and then off you go. DM, if you want to win this game, you can do it immediately. Yeah. Like, there's no, you don't need to drag it out and pretend you're giving them chances. You can do it on day one if you want. Um, so it's, it's more about how do they get there and then giving them the choices to, and then even the, giving them an out. Of some way, if it's not going well, do they have something that they yeah. can get give out them, with? Give them an out. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's your big bad evil guy. And then, I mean, if they're not prepared for it. But, and then give them those, those, those options and those yeah. tools to use. If they choose not to use them or they don't use them widely or they do, they roll the dice, so to speak, and seriously fuck up because they took a chance on something that didn't work. As long as you've done your bit to give them a tool to use, it's, it's on them at that point. I agree. Okay, friends, so don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms as well. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and our subreddit at r slash it's a mimic. If you have any questions or or queries or things that you would like us to answer in any of the mailbag episodes, you can send that to us at info at it's a mimic.com. And we will use those for any mailbag episodes and also for inspiration for what we would like to discuss um, if we know there's an upcoming episode that makes sense for it. Okay, team, final one from me then. That I'm going to say you, not ooh, 
Will you like guys let me know the the eulithrid eulithrid? Oh, it's it's eulithrid. It's double O. Yeah, it's an eulithrid. Eulithrid. <laughs> There's not an umlaut on top of the eulithrid. Ooh. But I also eulithrid. But that w- that may would make sense to you because I also say puma and not puma, which doesn't make sense to me. But that's fine. Uh, like uh, that NPC in uh, Tomb Annihilation, uh, Nanny Poo Poo. It's pew pew. <laughs> so it's a both eulithrid. No, it isn't. It's ulithrid? Yeah, it's also poo poo. It is also poo poo. It is actually poo poo. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's poo poo. Yeah. Ulithrid. <laughs> Adam took us through earlier how they're created, but I'll go into some extra details as well. So there's there's two ways that ulithrids can live out their life, and it depends on the elder brain's thoughts. The elder brain may see an ulithrid as their their greatest servant, their right hand man, so to speak, that they praise and like their their ultimate champion. Would this guy be the master baster? No. Okay. Absolutely not. No, these guys are champions. They don't have to listen to the Elder Brain. Okay. That was the other way I was going to go before I was so rudely interrupted for the 23rd time. Are you new? I <laughs> you got to jump in more, Terry. Cut off Dan. It's the only way to do it. Or cut off Adam. That's also an option. Or the Elder Brain can view the Ulithrid as a threat, or the Ulithrid can be uh, ambitious enough that he may want to go his own way and rule the colony uh, himself. So... Bear that in mind as, as DMs because it gives you options of, and, and ideas on how you might want to use these within your campaign. Because if you tie them to the Elder Brain, suddenly everything's ridiculously impossible. But if you go the other direction with this, there may be an opportunity for the, the PCs to come in uh, and maybe even treat this character as an ally or a potential ally. Uh, so the, the Ulithid also has uh, an extractor staff, uh, which is a psionically en- enhanced staff uh, made of black metal. When the Ulithrid chooses to end its life, the staff has claws on it, which opens their skull at the back and takes the brain out so that the brain can then be used to become the, the new elder brain later on. Oh, so it, it's carrying with it its own brain extractor? It's carrying with cool. it. It's, it's six inches from its face the whole time and it doesn't get used until the, the Ulithrid decides it's time. Okay, that's three inches. You gotta pull your fingers further apart. Was that for first? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so, this is six inches. I, I swear to God. She told with me all six. Yeah. With all the purple tentacles flying around in this episode, I could see how you're confused. I went. This is six, right? And she went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it's important yeah. that you believe. Yeah. <laughs> inches or centimeters, which is Ooh. imperial Ooh. or metric. Okay, let's talk about the stats. Large aberration, lawful evil, armor class of fifteen due to its sci-fi breastplate. Uh, hit point 17 D10 plus 34. With a speed. Why are you looking at me? I'm not the math whiz. Because I'm addressing my audience. That's you right now. Uh, and a speed of 30 feet. Uh, for That's you, 210. Ulithrid. No, 204. Top damage. Man, there you go. Um, so its mental stats are by far, by far the highest, uh, with wisdom being at 19 and then going as high as 21 for charisma and intelligence. But it is not shit in its physical stats either its its strength is well above average uh its dexterity is still above that of you and i uh and its constitution is also well above average as well so there isn't really a dump stat with these people yeah they, there's no real weakness there's no real them. i mean they're not going to be relying on dexterity but they're still above average in their dexterity they have save throws and intelligence wisdom and charisma just like the rest of the elithids i believe here's one i noted earlier dan so the the ulithrid has the skills of arcana insight perception and stealth but the elithid that you read out had more had, like had persuasion and had persuasion and deception as so well yeah i don't know the reasoning for this i don't think that it concerns itself so much with others it's 
These things are super mind flayers that have their own destinies that they will strike off on their own eventually. Right. They want to become an elder brain. They don't give a shit about what those guys are doing. Yeah, a, a mind flayer has to convince your brains out of you. This guy's just going to take it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I would have thought still like intimidation or something, but, but whatever. Okay. Uh, senses dark vision for 120 feet. It has passive perception of 18. Languages deep speech under common, and we know that it can use telepathy for up to two miles, and it is a CR9. Telepathy for two miles, though, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. That's better than the freaking mind flare by a damn sight. Oh, yeah. And I would really be leaning into telepathy as well. I would be, if they're, if they're sensing the party, if they know things about them, if they, like, however deep they've gotten with this, if they know their secrets and their histories and stuff, I would be putting flashes of, of loved ones in, in pain or, you know, pe- people have passed away and really be playing those mental games with them um, to, to build up the, the threat uh, of what these ulithrids are. Uh, so they have creature sense as well. They can uh, detect the presence of creatures within two miles of them. Is that the same as the Elder Brain? Yeah, yeah. but the Elder Brain is five. Five, right? five miles? Okay, so same. It's just a... Uh, just this, guy, this guy is looking like more and more the bridge between a Mind Flayer and an Elder well, Brain. Well, he absolutely is. You even look at the number of tentacles that he has. It's more than four, and they're super long as well. Yeah, right? yeah. it has yeah. six tentacles, and they're twice as long. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it has a magic resistance, so the Ulithrid has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. That's going to be super important when it comes to combat. Uh, and they have Psionic Hub as well. So if the Elder Brain establishes a uh, psychic link with the Ulithrid, the Elder Brain can form a psychic link with any other creature the Ulithrid can, detecting its creature sense. So basically, if the Elder Brain is connected to the Ulithrid, it can also detect everything that the Ulithrid can detect as well. Which is how you get beyond the five-mile radius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just, have a series, mile. you just have a series of Ulithrids who are at... Ulithrids. Ulithrids. Who are at like four and a half miles away because you don't want them to get too far. Mm-hmm. Who have their own little base encampment, and then you just like branch outward from there, right? And that's and that's how you take over Menzobarazan. Cool. Yep. You take over what? Menzobarazan, uh, the biggest city in the Underdark, where all the Drow are, at least a third of the Drow now. And it's called Menzobaranazan or whatever. Oh, I take your word for it. I heard something radically different. Anyways, good idea. You have an eight spell casting. Um, so at will. <laughs> <laughs> Your delivery is on point tonight, Terry. <laughs> oh, man, can you tell it's been a while since I've done this? Like it got it got to my turn, like on the first one that we recorded, and I was like, "Holy shit! How the fuck do I do this again? How do I?" Uh, yeah, yeah. No. Will they can cast detect thoughts and levitate, and then once per day, each they can cast confusion, dominate monster, eye bite, feeble mind, mass suggestion, plane shift on themselves only, project image, scrying, and telekinesis. What's his CR? Nine. Nine. Bullshit. I know. That's a CR 12, my friend. I bite? Mass suggestion? I know. No, I like these guys because obviously they're better than even the uh, Arcanist or the Scion, right? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. You wouldn't? Uh, just with the litany of spells that those guys get? Uh, yeah, but I'm talking I'm talking base stats, right? These guys are, are oh, yes, CR9, yes, yeah, they're yeah. CR8, right? So Base stats, you're right, yes. They are a step up. They're beefier, just inherently, but they'll lose it all in order to evolve when they, you know, metamorphosize into a... Yeah, yeah. Into an elder brain. Actions. <laughs> <laughs> they have a tentacle attack as well, but because their tentacles are longer, they have a reach of 10 feet. And uh, uh, on a hit, they'll score 4d10 plus 5 psychic damage. And if the target is large or small, it is grappled. It's going to be DC 14 to escape. 
DC 14, that's lower than normal mind flare. And must exceed on a DC 17 intelligence saving throw or be stunned until this grapple ends. Extract brain. Swiftly hit is 10d10 piercing damage on this one. Uh, and if this damage reduces the target to zero hit points, the Ulithrid kills the target by extracting and devouring its brain. Crunch. Same amount of damage with the Mind Flare. That's right. I guess that's just 10d10 is the skull-breaking damage. I'll keep that in mind. They also have a Mind Blast attack, except theirs comes in the form of a 60-foot cone, and each creature in that area must succeed on a DC 17 Intelligence saving throw or take 4d12 plus 5 Psychic damage and be stunned for one minute, but the target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turn. DC's too higher and it's d12s instead of d10s? This thing will fuck up a party. All that Psychic damage, man, do not... Do not fight Mind Flayers as a barbarian. Just don't. Just don't. Um, also, don't fight Mind Flayers at the suggested CR. Just also, don't. Also, don't fight Mind Flayers. <laughs> yeah, the only time I'd say fight them at the suggested CR is if the objective is not to kill the Mind Flayer, but they're just... If you're trying to get in and out because you're trying to get something, or there's another objective, if you're trying to sabotage something, rescue something, yeah. um, if you're trying to take these guys out, it's then don't fight them at the suggested CR. No, honestly, you could run a Eulithrid uh, as a tier four big bad evil guy, and if you just play him with the level of intelligence he should, you will still be a threat. Just to put your him party. next to his elder brain. Yeah, or surround him with other mind flares. Yeah, right. It, yeah, it's just like good lord, man. Like you want to have a big bad evil guy that is manipulative mm-hmm. and. Evil to the core and otherworldly, you, you got the, uh, you, you, that guy. Ulitharid. Yeah. Ulitharid. 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 Being that this one is a little a little bit different to the regular Ilithid, is there any kind of uh, environmental or social situations that come to mind for these? Then? That's right. Three. Nineteen. Nineteen. Cheater. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just dropped mine. Let me, let me roll it properly. Dude, that's right. All right. Goddamn. Honestly, uh, social encounter. Um, these guys are your ally against the elder brain. Elder brain. No, call- but, but they're not. They're not ever anti elder brain, right? I think they're. I think they're. Anti- no, they are. I think they. They want to break. It'll go two ways. Either they're like the champions, or they'll want to break away. If they want to break away from their from the the elder brain's control. And replace the Elder Brain to become their own leader? No, no, no. But that's not what they do, okay? It, it, I, I mentioned this earlier. What they do is they gain enough power and, and, and the colony swells and has this great big um, progressive leap forward. And then when it has enough power, the Ulitharid will then say goodbye and the Elder Brain lets it go. Okay. And it moves 100 miles away so that they're not competing for resources. And then sets up its own colony and becomes a new elder brain. Mm. Because, like, their big thing is propagate the species, take over the, the universe. They will never fight each other to do it. They don't like each other. They'll tolerate each other. But they are always allies. Right. Then right. when it comes to a social or an environmental uh, encounter with these guys, don't. Uh, it's not going to go well for you. You need to catch this guy while he's on his pilgrimage that hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Do not get him in the colony. When he's yeah. by himself. But I yeah. think there could be an opportunity here. You say an ally with them. I, I don't know if you would be allies by choice, but if he's going to create a new colony and he may want some assistance in doing this and clearing the surface area or taking out mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Like, you can be useful to them. And I see it as 
And this can be an ongoing NPC that keeps coming back. And for me, it would be like working for the Emperor in Star Wars, where every now and again they just show back up again in whatever form they do, uh, telepathically or with their little whatever. And then the occasionally you're going to fuck up and you get the do not fail me again speech. And then you this go off is from the there. guy who yeah. is setting up his colony near the town that your party is based out of. Um, but there is a, a GIF outpost nearby mm. as well. And it's just him and maybe a couple like very little mind flares. He doesn't have the power to take it out. So he's getting your party to go and take care of it. Yeah. And it just like you said, he's never appearing to them physically. It's always images in the brain and, and he has project image as a spell that he can use. Yeah. So he would very much just like project himself as like an elf maiden. Can you please remove the gift Yankee? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, this guy's going to order 66, a bunch of gith in the area, and get your party to be the clone troopers. So, sure. There's so many things you could do with him then. Yeah, but when he's in the colony doing the thing? No. No. It's it's too much. It's too big. Yeah. Battle tactics for the DM. You can go same initiative, Dan, if you want to go. Um, I mean, everything the Mind Flayers did, but better. The one thing I would do with him, though, and this is something I would give him, is the extractor staff. Oh man, that's a weapon that he's using on mm-hmm. people. That is just giving him the two hit, pull your brain out of your skull level thing, right? That would be cool to steal if you could steal. It. Yeah, it's not overly powerful, but it would be fun. Right? No, right? I mean, there's no like straight up stats really for it. Like it's just a little button on the side that goes. Yeah, yeah. You would maybe just use the extract, manipulate the the text of the extract brain attack, and have that as an option. Yeah, I mean that could get really, really powerful. But at the same time, you'd be carrying around brains, so I'm 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 all for it. Here's here's an idea for him. He gives you the thing. He gives you the staff and says, "Retrieve that brain. puts it Put it in this thing, and that thing will keep it warm." Long enough to get back to him for a good meal. Well, sure. well, He's like, here's the got... head of the of the arcane college in the area. They have those special little jars full of brine to be able to carry brains back and forth too. So <laughs> it's like an attachment on the bottom of the stab. You just grab the brain, twist this thing in, and the brain just plops into the jar. Like a slurpy. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely, Adam. Oh, um. Honestly, I think that these guys will be so arrogant and they will be such huge champions that uh, they're going to not fight you. They don't need to fight you. They don't want to fight you when they're out in the open. If you are going to fight them where the Elder Brain is, with the other Mind Flayers, they're going to sit back and they're going to let the other Mind Flayers fight for them. Mm-hmm. There's no reason it's smart enough to sit back and say, I'm not going to get involved. We have Thralls for this. We have Slaves for this. We have Standard Illithid for this. I don't need to be a part of this. So you're only ever really going to fight it when it's out in the open doing its own thing before it becomes an elder brain. And even then, it's vulnerable. It's not going to fight. It's going to move on. Yeah. I don't think you get into a whole lot of combat with this. No. Not until you corner it because it's been a deceptive little son of a bitch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note then... Um, a plot oh, hook sorry, sorry. Oh, and one last thing. These guys will retreat. Oh, yeah. all of them will. But Mind Flayers may fight you, but the Elder Brain and the Ulitharid, these are the ones that are desperate to propagate the species and keep it moving forward. They're not going to chance it. If they see five guys with battle axes coming at them, it is going to plane shift out. Yeah. It'll plane shift back in later. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. But uh, an idea for a plot hook or a side quest or one shot? Just real quick, uh, because I did want to mention this. Plane shift. Did you guys actually know what plane shift does? It shifts your plane. No. Yes, but also no. 
you and up to eight willing creatures. So these guys, I believe, are self-only self with only. it. Yeah. yeah. You are transported to a different plane of existence. You target a specific destination in general terms, such as the City of Brass, which is on the elemental plane of fire, or the Palace of Dispiter in the second level of the Nine Hells, and you appear in or near that destination. So you don't get to choose a specific spot. You just say, this general area, okay? Alternatively, if you know the sigil sequence of a teleportation circle on another plane of existence... This spell could take you to that circle. So they could go to a specific set up, get the fuck out of jail for free card space that they have already set up. Can you shift to somewhere on the same plane? I think you have to shift there and then back. That is that's actually why I was looking it up to mm. see if that was a thing. It does say another plane. Well, can we have a final note on a yeah, plot uh, hook but, but, or a but, side but, quest or a one shot or a main story arc, Dan? I love the idea of a... Here, let's do it this way. Knowing plane shift and what it does, an Utherid Ulitharid suddenly appears in the city that you are in next to your players. Beat up, battered. Motherfucker, you stole mine. And, and, and wrecked after a fight in the Astral Sea with a bunch of gith. He had to get the fuck out, said, I need to go to the uh, Prime Material Plane to this city that your party just happens to be in. And now you've got this Ulitharid battered and broken next to you going... I offer you guys my knowledge and my wealth to protect me. Now, super evil, beat up and broken, and uh, I mean, you're probably going to want to kill him, but he starts handing out potential laser pistols or the knowledge of how to make laser pistols to your party. Right. Your party's going to think again about just straight up murdering this dude. Yeah. To piggyback off that, he could set the, the, the plot off from that point in that he doesn't even need to survive. Maybe he just shows up all beaten up, says whatever he says. The galaxy is on Orion's belt, and then Vergen dies, and then, oh, free staff, and then, but you've got a lot of clues to set you off on your way from exactly. there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. See, I'm going to do it the other way around. Your party comes into a border town and finds that they're having a mass funeral, and an Eleutherid and a couple of enthralled ogres came through last week and murdered the shit out of a bunch of people, and they're going to set up a colony on the other side of the mountains. We can't afford to leave here, and the the harvest isn't ready yet, so we need help. Please save us. Can you go stop him before he becomes an elder brain? Cool. Mm -hmm. I like it. Right? Like, it's pretty simple and straightforward, right? But I would let you see the inside of people's skulls first so you know what you're in for. Mm -hmm. I'm going to telegraph that a little bit. I feel like you have to do that with mind flares in general. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, of course you do. Do we have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I love my flares, man, but they are definitely under CR'd for their threat. I would, I look at all of them, I increase it by two. Do you? Yeah. So your, your base illithid, your base mind flare, you're fighting at CR9. If it, you're giving it spell casting, it's a CR10. It depends on the makeup of the party. If I've got two rangers and a crossbow expert rogue and a warlock with Eldritch Blast out to whatever ridiculous range, this, they will never be a problem. These guys could fuck them up at, at level six. Right. Right? It's all about getting into that melee and that mind blast and the stun cycle. Yeah. If you can stay outside of the stun cycle, if you've got a couple of clerics with some lesser restoration and shit that they can help out with, like, you you should be fine. So, mind flayers, for me, I'm going to use them at different CRs depending on the party makeup. Any thoughts, Terry? Um, no. Uh, well, yeah, I say no, but I mean yes. I like the idea of the cult of the mind flayers. I think, Adam, you touched on it before at some point we were talking. I feel like you've mentioned it before. 
And I like the idea of getting the party accidentally into a cult. Where, they do, where they're <laughs> into the cult. Before they realize what's going on, they're like, we're in a fucking cult here. And all of a sudden, the Mind Flayer shows up. And now this is real. And now we're in a cult. What school of magic? Science. The Scientology. Yeah, exactly. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sue us. <laughs> all right. So that's all for this discussion on illithid civilizations. We've got a lot more ground to cover with Illithids the next time we circle back to this topic. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be sitting back to discuss one of the most requested topics that we've received. And that's right, we're finally going to get into the nitty-gritties of midweek content. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word out to everybody that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. So, illithids plant little worms in your brain to change you into a thing. Slod plant little tadpoles in to reproduce themselves. What's one more? Off the top of your head, one more creature that requires your adventurer's body for procreation. Intellect of our... You go with intellect, intellect of the hour? It, it teleports into your brain, eats it, and replaces it, and then wears you as a meat suit. Are you asking for a legitimate one? Or yeah, a legitimate one. Or, or come up with one. Well, if you're just talking about creatures that implant themselves into another creature to make more of them, that's every creature ever that's ever been. <laughs> I guess that's Me, fair. this dick. Like, <laughs> the fuck? This dick. <laughs> yeah, or bear. You guys have all the audio samples, so I'm ruined if I ever stab you guys in the back for anything. Like, <laughs> like, here's 52 clips perfectly edited to make you sound like the worst Just person Just play ever. the first fucking nine minutes of the goddamn fighter episode. And we'll, <laughs> Hi, my name is Terry. And I, <laughs> and I like semen segues. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Do you know what it sounds like when an illithid eats the brain of a barbarian? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.